Hello, everybody. Yep. Welcome to another episode of DFV. I am your co-host, Black Cinephile. And I'm that other co-host, a.k.a. Brad. That's your other co-host, a.k.a. Brad. And we got a special one for you today. We got one that Brad has been pushing on me for a long time. We got a we got a fairy tale showdown today. We got a we got a classic. We got 1987's uh, The Princess Bride versus uh, 2007's uh, Stardust. Yeah, it was somewhere when we were in recording our first like 10 episodes that I found out you had never seen The Princess Bride. And this has been on the list ever since then to pair a movie with it to finally get you to sit down and watch it. And yeah, yes, sir. It, 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 I think this ended up being a great pairing for the Princess Bride and Stardust. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. This, this couldn't have been a more perfect pairing. You know, um, both films complement each other so well. Mm. And uh, before I talk about, you know, um, which one kind of left more of an impression on me, I think we should just uh, get right into it. Now, I believe because, you know, one is the granddaddy of them all, we should go chronological and do the Princess Bride first and then just head right into Stardust. Uh, yeah, I was kind of thinking the same thing because the, the Princess Bride is a staple of you know most movie collections when it comes to romance, drama, you know fairy tales. So mm-hmm. it, we, we got to start with it. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay, so uh, starting off with the Princess Bride, man, we got this 1987. Uh, directed by Rob Reiner, uh, written by and adapted by the novel written by William Goldman, uh, you know, legendary screenwriter, legendary storyteller. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically, this film starts off with the uh, grandfather, uh, played by a terrific Peter Falk, uh, caring for his sick grandson, um, played by my man from the Wonder Years. Fred Savage. Uh, fat Fred Savage. Um, and he says, uh, you know what? When when I was when your father was your age and he was sick, I read this to him and I'm going to read this story to you. He was like, you know, does it, does it is it does it have any sports? Like you know, like he's 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 a regular grandkid. He's like, I don't mm-hmm. want to read some old dusty book. So I don't I mean I don't want some old dusty book read to me. He says, oh no, there's fencing, there's sports, there's action. You know, just just give me a minute. So basically, he starts a story off and it's a tale about a uh, young woman named Buttercup. Uh, who used to have a uh, farmhand named Wesley, who she was uh, madly in love with. Um, one day, Wesley, uh, you know, leaves off to uh, seek a fortune. Uh, it's rumored that he is uh, attacked and killed by a uh, a pirate named Dread Pirate Roberts. Before long, Buttercup, Buttercup, about like five years later, is betrothed to a uh, a prince, a prince called Humperdinck. I still don't get the joke, but that's his name. Um, a kidnapping happens that kind of throws a wrench in Humperdinck's plan to marry her. And before long, uh, she becomes acquainted with uh, the Dread Pirate Roberts himself, who turns out to be Wesley. And from then on, it's a cat and mouse chase uh, with um, the the Prince China would reclaim his princess bride and, um, you know, Wesley trying to uh, protect his love. That's not like the bare bones with, um, you know, some great supporting characters along the way mm-hmm. of uh, the princess bride which one of the strongest parts of the princess bride is the supporting cast when you come down to like the plot of this movie it is very bare bones mm-hmm. it's your you know typical fairy tale of true love and i need to save the princess before she can get married mm-hmm. beyond that there's not much to it <laughs> But yeah, it's the supporting sure. cast and everything like that. Like you have Carrie Elwes as you know Wesley Dread Pirate Roberts. Uh, you have Andre the Giant in here. You know you have Wallace Shawn in here. It, it, it's, it's such a packed cast that I, I absolutely love how quotable this movie is. And I even though you haven't seen this movie, I had to believe that there were so many quotes that you were watching this for the first time and going, hey, I recognize that line. Hey, I remember hearing that before. The one quote I recognize because it, it it's just been memed to death is um, that word. I don't think it means what you what you, what you, what think, you think it means. <laughs> Inconceivable. Then, uh, right. 
And then uh, another one was, uh, uh, my name is such and such. You killed my father. Prepare to die. You know, I I, I, I learned like the two most legendary quotes from, um, you know. Uh, Inigo Montoya. Yeah, 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 yeah. Manny Patinkin's character. That's that's about all I knew. So my my story with this, both of these films were films that were in my in my mom and dad's collection of movies. Stardust we had on DVD. Um, this film we had on VHS. And I kind of had the same attitude as the grandson. My dad brought this VHS home that had just three words on it called The Princess Bride and some some drawings on it. I'm like, Dad, I don't want to watch this. And, you know, he says, oh, you'll like it. Um, the fact that this is my first time watching it means, you know, we, we never watched it. <laughs> just, it just sat in our bookcase. <laughs> I never watched this movie. Clearly um, he failed you. <laughs> right. Cl- clearly. Um <laughs> So, you know, uh, we, we had always had it on VHS. Um, yeah, man, I had always heard this was a classic. When I was first watching it, I tried to get myself to, like, lower my expectations so I wouldn't be disappointed. Because the more Wallace Shawn's character kept saying, inconceivable, I was going to inconceivable shut this off. Because <laughs> I'm like, he doesn't say that the whole movie, does he? <laughs> like, Because I'm like, I, I, I was really starting to get irritated. But um, I feel like where this film really meets its charm is where we come across um, Inigo and um, uh, uh, Vizzini. Like, you know, I mean, I mean not, not Vizzini, uh, Fezzik. Fezzik and Inigo pretty much made the movie for me. Like once they came on screen and their dialogue with each other and how they rhyme and speaking to oh, each yeah. other, it, it just had me smiling from ear to ear. Yeah, I love that they were originally brought together to help Vizzini with his like crooked plots and everything like that. I love how Vizzini right. also thinks that he's the smartest person around. Uh, yeah. One of the scenes with the poison in the cups, I absolutely love mm-hmm. how he's trying to be like, but as an intellectual, you would know that I wouldn't trust you to have the poison in my cup. So clearly you put it in your cup. And then at the end, it's what? How did you know that he was going to swap the cups? Oh, I didn't. I put the poison in both cups. I just have an immunity to it now. <laughs> One of the most satisfying deaths in the whole movie. Oh, easily. <laughs> Listen, I, I love Wallace Shawn, but this character was so annoying. Inconceivable! I mean, he's supposed you, to be. I, I know, I know, but I just I just couldn't do it after a while. I was like, how, how far are we in this movie? Okay, is he going to be around for long? <laughs> And, yeah, uh, he's gone dude, within love- the first like half an hour, if I recall correctly. Oh, <laughs> uh, thank goodness! Thank goodness. <laughs> uh, yeah, man. Listen, um, I love the dialogue between um, Inigo and um, Wesley when uh, he's he's climbing. Um, uh, Vizzini just cut the uh, the rope, and he says he says to Inigo, "When he gets up here, you kill him." So Inigo comes down to check on him, like, "Hey, how's it going?" Uh, this is extremely difficult. If you wouldn't talk to me right now, I'd appreciate it. <laughs> if you couldn't be any distractions, I'd be greatly appreciated. Thank you. Yeah, I think that's where this film hits its stride with this dialogue. Um, and I, I love how he goes. Um, they have a whole discussion before they start fighting. It's, it's, it's a great discussion that this might sound wild, but it, it kind of felt like a Tarantino scene. Like, you know how some characters, before they get to the action, they have, like, a philosophical, like, like weird discussion? Right, well, I mean, especially are- when it's two people that have, like, high respect for each other due to, mm-hmm. like, their professions and everything like that. Yeah, it definitely comes off as that, because while is waiting to get into this fight and everything like that, like, he's he's amped up to be able to fight somebody that's been chasing them down as heavily as uh, the Dread Pirate Roberts has. And then, right. obviously, you know, the Dread Pirate Roberts, he's just kind of going, just give me a second to rest. I just, I want to catch my breath here. I just finished climbing a mountain. <laughs> for sure, for sure. I, I love that. That's great. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So- solid fight scene. Um, and I love it when he comes across, uh, uh, who's my man? Um, uh, Andre the Giant. The Giant. I, yeah, Andre the Giant, the actor. But yeah, I I, I love when he comes across oh. Fezzik, too. I thought that was a pretty good fight scene. Like, uh, where he uh, he says, uh, he says, look, I can throw this rock at you, or we could throw hands. He's like, you know, you're, you're a big guy. I don't think I'd have much of a, <laughs> I don't think I'd have much of an advantage. Yeah, I, I think that you'd have the advantage in hand-to-hand combat. But on the alternative, 
Yeah, let's go with hand-to-hand combat. <laughs> yeah. I gotta say, man, this movie has some solid twists to it. You know, um, the character Humperdinck, like, you know, I didn't really take him for much. I said, okay, well, of course he's a villain. You know, he, he he's not the best man to marry her. But the whole thing about how he set up the whole kidnapping, I thought that was a pretty solid twist. Yeah, not only that, but he also had the, like, plan to have all the guards out of the castle taking care of mm-hmm. things in the forest under a false kind of threat. That way they wouldn't be there to stop him from killing his bride once they were married. That way he could take over the kingdom as the new prince. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so yeah. He's he's very conniving. Uh, and I also love the part when they continually like interject with uh, Fred Savage and you know mm-hmm. Peter Fake as going through reading the book and going, oh, they're they're gonna kiss in this part and stuff. I loved how when they got to one part, you know, he the kid goes, well, what about Humperdinck? He's gonna who's gonna kill him? How does he die? Well, he doesn't die. <laughs> He he lives at the end of the story. What? No. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I love how he said uh, at one point, Fred Savage's character is like, no, 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 I'm not. he's not dead. He's not dead. And then, you know, the grandfather gets to uh, another part of the story where, you know, you know, Wesley isn't dead. He says, see, I told you I'm a genius. Yeah, you're a genius. Now shut up. <laughs> he goes back to reading the uh, story. Yeah, it's I absolutely love those little interjections because as you're watching this, you kind of forget that this is a grandfather telling a story to his uh, grandson kind of thing. And then it interjects with that. It's like, oh, yeah, that's that's a whole thing in this, too. And then that also adds to when they skip entire montages and scenes and everything like that, like the entire swamp scene, because, his you know, grandson's like, come on, get back to the action. Okay, okay, fine. Mm-hmm. Anyway, and then it like skips pages ahead. It, I I think that's a brilliant way for them to like cut some of the story out that wouldn't have worked for the movie, and have it make yeah, yeah. sense for the movie that it's just completely missing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a very well it's a very well written story. Like I love how there's the frame story and there's the main story. You know, mm-hmm. it's because it's you know. It's really touching to see the grandpa and the grandson together. Like, um, you know, even when he first shows up, you know, the grandson says before he comes in, like, uh, you know, all he's going to do is pinch my cheek and, you know, like, you know, make make jokes. He's like, he won't pinch your cheek. You're too old for that. He comes right in, pinches the cheek. And I love the look Fred Savage gives his mom <laughs> when, he, when he does. Yeah, there's there's a lot of little cute moments between them and whenever it gets to the grandfather and grandson, uh, which I love that their names are just credited as grandson and grandfather in the credits as well. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They don't they're not given real names. Right. That's funny. But yeah, going back to like the actual, you know, Princess Bride plot and everything, the fact that you know, you have all these twists and turns throughout the story and everything like that, including the fact that, you know, Humperdinck just put Wesley into the pit of despair, which I love was just a hollowed out tree base kind of thing where he had mm-hmm. the machine that sucks your life away. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was um that was a weird machine. That was one of the few things in the movie I was like, I'm not sold on this. This is this looks dumb. It, it's it's supposed to be like that uh, witchcraft kind of looking future technology from a medieval perspective kind of thing. Uh, yeah, I, <laughs> it just it, it it didn't sell me. That's one of the first. That's one of the things in the script. I was like, yeah, okay, all right, eighties. <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> but listen, I'll tell you what though, man. Um, Billy Crystal. I, at first, I didn't I didn't notice him as Miracle Max, and I kept squinting while he was talking. I said that guy has a very Billy Crystal like 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 inflection to his speech. Is that Billy Crystal? Mm-hmm. And then in the end, when the credits uh, confirmed it, I was like, man, I knew that was him. Oh yeah, and I love his scenes too, where he's kind of doing the whole, you know, I would only do this for a very noble cause. 
you know, well, if you revive him, he'll help me take out Humperdink and ruin his, you know, wedding. So you're saying if he's alive, Humperdink will have a bad time. I can't think of a more noble cause. <laughs> right, right. And then his wife shows up. He's talking about, who is this witch? You witch, I'm your wife. Yeah. <laughs> and then he, she keeps bringing up his name and like, um, you know, messing with him the whole time. I thought that was a pretty uh, great scene, too. Yeah, I uh, I like this. I like the final showdown, too. Um, again, I see I, it, when I don't take this film too seriously, it's brilliant. Because this film is what Robin Hood Men in Tights should have been. Mm-hmm. Like, when I look at that movie, same lead actor, Carrie Ailes. Um, but I, it, in the end, the final, the final showdown between him and Prince uh, Humperdinck, when uh, it's so stupid. But when you, like, when you turn your brain off, I guess it's, I guess it's fine. Like, he, he's about to kill uh, Wesley because, you know, Wesley kind of lost movement in his body a little bit. Due to like you know taking some time to come back from the uh, healing potion, mm-hmm. and he says, "Uh, if you do this, uh, you will face something worse than death." He goes, "Okay." He keeps moving forward. He says, "Uh, you, you'll lose your eyes. Uh, you'll you, you'll lose your such and such." And I'm like, "Is this gonna be the final fight?" And he keeps going, and then finally, you know, he he, uh, he gets stuck to the point where um, who ends up taking him down? Was it was it was it Anigo? Uh, was it was it? It was an ego. Yeah, and I was like, that was the final fight? I, I just I just said, okay, you know, 80s. The real final fight was really with uh, an ego and the man with six fingers. That was good. Which, that was good. I, I will say, all of an ego's fights, the choreography in those are fantastic. I absolutely loved yeah. them. Even today, watching them, it's it stands up as a great choreographed fight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that was good. I like that. Um, I like the chemistry between Carrie Ells and Robin Wright. Uh, I feel like Robin White literally lights up the room every time she comes on. Um, she, she's just stunning in this. Like, I feel like if, if there was like uh, someone reading the script and reading for Buttercup, she would be it. You know, I mm-hmm. feel Carrie Ailes is very charming as Wesley. Their scenes together are are, are charming and funny. I love when they come in the, um, the dark cave. And Wesley looks around and goes, uh, you know, it's not, it's not bad in here. She just cuts him a look. He goes, you know, it's a little, it's a little spiffy, but, you know, I, I think, you know, it wouldn't be bad long term. I mean, you know, not for a long time. And she just still gives him the same look, just like deadpan, like, like. Not deadpan, but just like surprise, and uh, I thought that's a great scene. Oh yeah, it, they definitely have some perfect kind of chemistry in this movie, where you're rooting for them to get together in the end. So not only are you rooting against Humperdink because you don't like him, but you're rooting for Wesley at the same time. Yeah, yeah, man. You know. I don't know if my opinion would change if I had watched this as a little kid and kind of grew up with it as as I assume you did. Um, but I gotta say, our first watch, very solid movie. I can tell why it's a classic. Uh it took me a while to kind of get on this wavelength a little bit, but uh I was I was I was I was entertained by this, man. I give it a I give it a four out of five. Uh th- this one's a four point five out of five to me. It's it's basically hmm. nearly a perfect movie. And I don't think anything would ever change that in my perspective because yeah, I grew up with this movie. I have seen it so many times. It's practically a quote, pure quotable movie to me that I I can remember the entire story almost word for word. And I love it. It, Everything about it is great. The atmosphere, the jokes, you know, it, it is a little bit on the heavy side for some of its like humor and everything like that. And some of the mm-hmm. kind of ideas that it puts in, but it, it works out still as a great movie. I agree. I completely agree. And that brings us to 
Stardust, the 2007 film from Matthew Vaughn, which follows a pretty similar plot where we have the character of Tristan who has fallen in love with a princess and in order to be able to convince her of his love, decides to go after a fallen star that is also simultaneously being, you know, hunted down by a group of witches. When Tristram does finally make it to the star, though, he finds that the star is actually a woman named Yvain, who he must now bring as a gift for the princess that he wants to convince to marry him. And basically throughout the entire thing, he goes through trying to find a way to convince her to go with him, stay with him, and be presented as this gift while simultaneously having to ward off the witches that are looking for the star in order to kill her and eat her heart in order to get, you know, immortal youth. That's the bare bones Mm -hmm. of this plot. Uh, Very similar in premise where you have the fairy tale kind of beginnings of, you know, here's the princess. I need to find a way to show my true love to them. We have the star. I love how the star is represented as an actual person and, mm-hmm. you know, which is played by Claire Danis. Absolutely fantastic. Uh, Tristan is played by Charlie Cox. And then you have the witch played by Michelle Pfeiffer. The Pfeiffer. It's Pfeiffer. Pfeiffer. <laughs> no, Pfeiffer. Oh, uh, uh, no, no, it's Pfeiffer. I know. <laughs> Wow. All I can think is the Key and Peele sketch whenever I see your name. I love me some uh, Michelle Pfeiffer's. Oh, okay. I never saw that. I'm sorry. I didn't catch the joke. How dare you? Is that the AA Ron guy? Uh, No, this is the two uh, valet people. The same ones that, uh, you know, are obsessed with like movies and different people. Oh, okay. I love me some Michelle. I'm going to send you the clip later. I can't believe you've never seen that. I've seen the show. I just haven't seen that skit. Um, but yeah, okay. All right. So yeah, I got to say, this was a first watch for me too. This is a film my mama got on sale at Best Buy, at, at Blockbuster once when Blockbuster uh, was alive and well and actually uh, sold DVDs for a low price. You remember that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, this was a low price, and she had got this movie. I I'd always meant to watch it because I said, "Oh man, De Niro, Pfeiffer, Claire Danes," uh, but I never got to it. Dude, first watch. I mean, this film had me, you know, instantly from the jump. Um, the the moment uh, Dunstan, who is um, the main character's um, uh, uh, Tristan's father, you know, comes to the uh, those the stone wall that uh, separates the real world from the magical world. Mm-hmm. He tells the man gardening, says, listen, man, you know, there's nothing beyond there. He goes, oh, well, well, no, no one's allowed there. He says, look, it's a field. It's just nothing but a field. There's nothing in there. And um, I like how my man, uh, I, I think he chases him. And he walks, he walks behind him at one point, like, yeah, there's a good lad. Just walk away now. And he just <laughs> jukes him and just run past. I like how that, uh, <laughs> You you uh you get a call back to that when uh Tristan later on in the film tries to go past and the old man just gives him an ass whooping. Oh yeah, the old <laughs> man is very clearly on to that trick by that point. <laughs> I laughed. I was like, wow, he was ready that time. He I, was just whooping. I also love how after he pulls that move and he comes back across the wall and stuff. Uh, what was it like nine months later you know there's a baby left of the wall with a note for him and the old man just come, goes back brings it to him and goes yeah this was left at the wall for you mm-hmm. you know this is yeah, yours yeah, yeah. now <laughs> right 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 which kind of uh, begins the story but uh, yeah man this one had me from go I mean I, I was very invested in the characters and the backstory you know Tristan um, one of the main things I like about Charlie Cox's performance is that, you know, you can relate to Tristan. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? He's down on his luck. Uh, the girl he likes doesn't like him. You know, he, he feels like a loser. He gets fired from work <laughs> trying, to, trying to flirt, you know. Uh, um, and uh, he has to battle a Henry Cavill 
You know what yeah. I mean? I, I love I how after he gets fired, he's like at home practicing, like how he's going to tell his dad. And then his dad just walks in and goes, let me guess. You've been fired. <laughs> right. He says, yeah, you know, I, I, I heard about it, you know, yeah. like, I, like uh, but I love his father because his father believes in him. He says, listen, you know, that you don't need that job. Like that job doesn't define you. You'll find something better. Um, his father wants what's best for him. And I feel like that's what makes him a great character, too. Um, and I, I do. I love, again, great chemistry. I love the chemistry between Claire Danes as the um, as the star itself and Charlie Co- Cox's character. Like I love the chemistry between Evane and Tristan. Oh, yeah, they I love how at first she's just so apprehensive about everything because he's shows up in where she crash landed and is kind of just going, what, what the hell? I, I was here, you know, and then all of a sudden you just fell out of the sky and hit me. You know, I was minding my own business and eventually it comes together. Oh, you're the star. And she's like, yes. Oh, I got to give you as a gift. Oh yeah. Cause that's what girls like getting another woman as a gift. <laughs> Yes, yeah, yeah. The sarcasm is on point. I love when he first meets her. He thinks, you know, she's his mama. He's like, "Say, like, mom." He said, "Do I look like I'm your mother?" <laughs> oh yeah. Um, what was I about to say? Uh, oh man, you you gotta love the whole bit with the brothers that <laughs> keep trying to kill each other for the throne, <laughs> and the ghosts are just hanging above them, just you know, talking like normal chums. Like, uh, I love how I like they all little... look exactly how they died too. Like the guy that was thrown out of a window, his entire face is smashed on one side. There's one of them that's like frozen. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I like how when he first gets thrown out the window, the brother's about to push the other one. The other one turns around and he stops. <laughs> and like, and like that's how the father got his throne. It's just like trying to. Um, like secretly kill all his brothers. Like I just think that whole thing is funny. Um, it's it's a recurring gag that makes me laugh. Oh yeah, and I love how they're also on the hunt for the. Well, they're not looking for the star. They're looking for the gem that the star has because what knocked the star out of the sky was their father, the king, throwing a gem into the sky to send them on mm-hmm. a quest to discover who would become the new king. And in doing so, hit a star, come out of the sky. So the star has the gem that they're looking for. So their entire thing is, I love how they're going on like different directions and they come across like the star at different points in time, not realizing it's the star until it's too late, including when the one is mm-hmm. at the inn and gets killed by one of the witches looking for the star at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that yeah, that brings us to the witches. Um, yeah, man, Michelle Pfeiffer, she was terrific as uh Lamia. Like, I feel like she was a great villain in this film. Oh yeah. Oh, she was absolutely fantastic. And I love how you actually kind of see her use the different kinds of magic, and as she's using up her magic, you can see it actually depleting from her. Because mm-hmm. from the start, she looks like old, everything like that. And then she right. consumes the last bit of the star that they have from the last fallen star. And she gains all of her youth. She has, you know, great magical power again and everything like that. And as she's using it throughout the movie, you can see like her arm starts to get old again. You know, she starts mm-hmm. losing her hair and it kind of just shows like, oh, she's weakening at this point. I like how it raises the stakes. It makes her, um, you know, it uh, it speeds the plot along. Like she needs to get this stuff in time too. She needs to get the star too. Uh, yeah, I think I think plot wise, you know, the the is is done. The 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 film moves a lot so well. I mean, it, the film moves forward so well. And you yeah, know, that- when I saw the runtime, I saw man, 128 minutes, but uh, it it goes by fast. Yeah, it's paced very well, especially when it's juggling a couple different stories of people trying to get to the star, as well as you have the whole thing with Tristan and the star kind of wandering this weird world that he's not used to, because this is all taking place on the other side of the wall. So the side of the wall that he was never allowed to venture before. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Ah, man. 
We got it. We got to talk about it, man. Dude, I love De Niro as Shakespeare, man. Captain <laughs> Shakespeare. He just, listen, everyone's great in this movie, but I really feel like his whole section really made the film. It it definitely added to kind of the humor <laughs> that mm-hmm. they were trying to purvey because, yeah, this is a wacky world that you have on this other side of the wall. And mm-hmm. it, Captain Shakespeare as the, well, the entire floating kind of ship is already a great concept that's get it's <laughs> hunting electricity and everything but his character right. as the ship captain and everything going through where he has his secrets that he hides from the crew where he doesn't actually kill people he actually gives them a second chance as crew members of the ship mm-hmm. which <laughs> I, I love how they even had. so do you think they will actually fall for it oh they've all fallen for it multiple times <laughs> It, it's fine. I, at one point, he's trying to trick them and make them think uh, Trish has been thrown overboard, and uh, you know he's um, he's grabbing um, he's grabbing Evane, and he says, uh, "I'm taking her to my uh, chambers. If anyone interrupts, uh, I'll do the same to you." And one guy goes, "You mean yo? I'll throw you overboard." <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> That made me laugh. I said, that is great dark humor. That oh, yeah. Great dark humor. Yeah, it's, that was funny. it's absolutely great. Uh, then you also have the moment where Ricky Gervais just shows up out of nowhere. Or Ricky Gervais shows up out of nowhere. And as the shopkeep that buys the electricity off of them. Yeah, I, I wasn't a big fan of that. No? You know, yeah, I, I mean, I like Ricky. In this one, I was like, okay, I'll take him. I I wasn't a big fan of that. He didn't have a large role. I think it was a nice little kind of moment for him to pop up. Because, yeah, I I like him as a comedian and everything. So seeing him pop up in something, even if it's only for a couple minutes, like, hey, I know that guy. Yeah, I know him. Um, Yeah, I was was like, guys, I could take it or leave it. I was like, oh, okay, Ricky Gervais. Cool. (laughs) Next, you know, um, but I did. Um, I really enjoyed Mark Strong as uh, as one of the brothers, as, as Septimus. You know, I feel like he did pretty well as Septimus uh, as one of the brothers trying to uh, hunt down the star. I yeah, I love the tension, man. I love how it's pretty much a uh, it's pretty much a, a three person race between um, you know uh, Septimus uh, Lima. Is is her, is her name Lima? Uh, Lamia. Lemia and uh, Tristan, yeah, I I love the uh, the rat race that's going on throughout this whole film. It really it really pushes the plot forward. But I wanted to see a hilarious moment is when uh, Septimus comes on the ship, him and his boys, and is he is he searching for Shakespeare? You know, Shakespeare's got the he's got the dress on, he's dancing, <laughs> he's in his zone with the makeup on and everything, and then uh, the crew members they act like they're about to join Septimus's guards in the dance. And then instead they uh they start fighting with him and, and you know start start killing him. Oh yeah. I uh, love how his crew is like it, they seem very stupid, but when it came to them fighting, they were super competent, like they knew exactly what they were doing. And they're even, savages. Right. And even when like they barge into his office and you know, they end up getting uh Septimus, you know, jumps out to save himself from them. And Shakespeare's kind of going, you know, I don't want you guys to think any less of me. Oh, don't worry, Captain. We already knew that you were kind of, you know, fruity. And <laughs> we we already knew you were a whoopsie. Right, yeah. <laughs> they kind of just like push him. Back. Right. I love how they just push him to the back and they're like, don't worry, Captain. We won't think any less of you. You're always our captain. Right, yeah. That's, a, that's a, such a funny moment. Um I like how when he first says goodbye to Tristan and Yvain, he's like, uh, he says, I will miss you too. And the crew looks at him funny. He goes, and uh, have a good time with that wench. And they're yeah. like, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, even when, you know, it, he's first introduced, this is my, what was it, nephew? And mm-hmm. he's going to be joining us. And I'm giving the lady to him, you know. And he like starts, oh yeah, and shake hands and stuff, and they're all looking at him. He's like, 
ah, <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Yeah, 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 for sure. Oh, man, I love it. I love it. I got to say, um, I like the final showdown, but I have a question. What what was the point of the pump fake when um when Michelle Pfeiffer's character was about to uh stab Evane and we well, don't know. No, she was she she had uh Tristan on the ropes and was about to get him and then uh she pump faked and said, Oh youth, power, what's the point? I lost my sisters and she starts going to woe is me or whatever, and then she goes like psych, I'm gonna keep y'all in here with me. So so the so, goal of that was the star had a broken heart, which a broken heart okay. is useless for giving her the magical power she needs. So she gotcha. gave them that, like, you know, you guys have your happily ever after. You guys, you know, deserve each other, you know, which would mend her heart because she could be with her true love, which then would have the full power of magic. But what... Okay, all right, I, I get it. But wouldn't that break her heart again when she hears, you know, psych, you're staying with, I'm killing you now. But I, all right, I, I, I all right. I, I don't know. I, <laughs> no, it makes sense. It, it makes sense the way you broke it down. I mean, I was just kind of thinking in my head like, huh? But, you know. Um, but yeah, I like the final showdown. I like uh, I like when um, she takes, oh, uh, Septimus had a, had a pretty uh great awesome death dude like oh, drowning in air his yeah. final like fight scene and stuff like that i also love how even after he had died she like took the voodoo doll out of the water and was like using mm-hmm. his body to fight uh tristian and you have the ghosts all sitting on like the ledge and as soon as like his body comes back up, they all just turn to look at him, and he's just going shrugging. I have no it's not idea. Me. Yeah, I, I'm not yeah. doing anything. <laughs> I love how they're all cheering each other on, like 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 from the dead. Oh like, yeah. Uh, when they go like, no, he's right there. He's right there. Mm-hmm. And then they start clapping it up when they start making good moves and stuff. Um, that's pretty funny. Yeah. So I love. Uh, the plot twist that, um, you know, uh, Tristan's mother was actually, you know, uh, their sister and he's like the rightful heir at the end. I felt like that was a pretty good plot twist, too. Oh, yeah. Which I also like prior to that, after the last of the brothers dies and they're kind of just like, well, hold on now. If none of us become king, what happens to us? I guess we just got to get used to each other's company forever. Right, yeah, that sounds horrible. Right. You, you <laughs> got to deal with, with your the... brothers that you all killed each other. Right, and you can't can't kill each other no more. You're just stuck with them. Like, I like how one brother is a pervert. Like, Oh, yeah. <laughs> which, which Tristan and Evane are about to make love. He goes, you guys got to come see this. He says, nah, we good. He says, suit yourself. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, I also love when they're like all doing like the there's the star. Just look, you idiot. No, look. Come on, man. <laughs> really? You're the one that ended up killing me. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I love all their dialogue together. It's pretty great. Um, there was another part of the plot I wanted to speak to, but I uh, I guess I, I guess we pretty much covered everything. I think I was going to talk about his mom. Go ahead. Yeah, I think that pretty much everything was covered but it's this is for a two hour long movie it's a Mm -hmm. very compacted two hours it doesn't feel like it's a long time at all which is very nice yes 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 absolutely um you know i'm pretty glad that that one guy who uh um michelle pfeiffer first turned into a, a a goat I'm pretty glad he came out of this unscathed because I was a little worried about him. I think it was Bernard. Yeah, I, I completely know, uh, forgot that she did that because it was turning him into a goat and then turning right. his friend into a girl. <laughs> no, 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 no. He uh he got turned into a girl and then turned back into a, a boy. Oh, was that it? Oh, okay. Yeah, that was him. Um, but yeah, I'm pretty glad. I'm glad Bernard got out, got out of all this. You know, he was just, he was just doing his job. He says, oh, yeah. uh, you know, miss, this goat isn't enough to carry you. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, you want to get smart, huh? Yeah. <laughs> you went to the coat. I was like, that's so mean. Also, where uh, his mom comes out is like, where where are you? <laughs> right, where'd you go? You had one job. Um, yeah, man, I got to say, this is, I, I want to give it to five. It's one inch away from it, but I'm, I'm at a strong 4.5 for this. This was just such a lovely movie to me. Uh, this one's at a 4.5 to me, too. I don't think it quite makes it to the five. It, it has a lot almost. of great elements and everything like that. It, it's yeah. It's almost there. It definitely, to me, it, there is a point like after the start where it kind of just seems to go a little bit slower than the rest of the movie, where after you were kind of introduced to Tristan and everything like that, it's like, okay, I know magic's going to happen. G- get get to the magic. Let's, let's get to the magic. I, I think that's probably the only like weak part of the movie, in my opinion, though. I say I was all in. I say the weak part of the movie to me is like the pump fake at the end. You know, Ricky Gervais is, you know, just just Ricky Gervais. <laughs> um, and I say outside of that, I, I feel like the movie is near perfect. Um, I'm fully convinced. You know, I haven't seen Kingsman 2 in, in a couple other films, but I'm fully convinced Matthew Vaughn hasn't made a bad movie. Uh, uh, he he's Yeah, he he has some that don't match up to the rest. But I would say that I haven't seen a bad movie from him. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. He's just uh, he just makes great movies, man. And I love he got his he has a signature kinetic action style when um, I believe when the guards start fighting on the ship, when uh, when uh, Shakespeare's guards fight um, Mark Strong's guards on the ship, he, he mm-hmm. does his classic little camera move. That's pretty great. Uh, yeah, man. I thoroughly enjoyed this. Uh, if I had to choose. I, I I mean, you know where I stand. I know Princess Bride is a classic. I think Stardust kind of entertained me more on a first watch. Um, but I, I'm curious to say what you say. Uh, to me, it's Princess Bride. You know, it's it's the okay. classic fairy tale love story and everything. Stardust comes in very close to it, which I think was a surprise when kind of this pairing and everything like that, that I was actually going, okay, these are these are very close to each other. I didn't expect these to be this kind of close and this kind of thing because they both have the same strong parts to them. They both have the great main cast. They have the great supporting cast. The mm-hmm. adventure is, you know, v- filled with little turns and twists and everything like that. It, it does have the same cliches in both of them and the whole like true love and everything like that but they take it in different enough directions that both movies feel unique while also following the same kind of strengths that the other has. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, yeah. All right, man. So, uh, you know, I say it's a tie. You got princess. I got stardust. Um, I wanted to get into after show topics and I wanted to ask you a kind of a broad question. I, I know with me, when I figure out there's a new film coming out, but it's going to be released exclusively on streaming or exclusively on Apple TV plus, are you like me where you, you automatically have a little bit of prejudice in your mind? Like, okay, but that's not a movie movie. Or have you kind of gotten out of that by now? Uh, Prior to the pandemic, I definitely had that feeling like if it hit streaming, it didn't, deserve to be in theaters is typically what that meant but Mm. then we got like the pixar boom with soul and stuff like that that went direct to streaming even though it could have come out into theaters and we have uh, you know that one comes off the top of my head as one of the ones that like really pushed this should have been in theaters not as a streaming thing but there's a bunch of them that came to it that it's iffy I still kind of judge it based on the trailer a little bit where I'll go eh, whether it's for me or not, but there's, is that kind of thought of, Oh yeah, I can definitely see why this is going straight to streaming. See, it's different with soul because that was meant for theaters. Mm-hmm. So I, I didn't see that in my mind as a streaming film. Okay. But it's like when I hear of films like the gray man or the Adam project without me watching the trailer, I, I see, okay, streaming exclusively on Netflix, and I all in my mind go, okay, that's a streaming movie. I don't look at that as a theatrical film. But, you know, it's different for, like, 
you know, around for your consideration time around around that time, you know, for critics, I had saw Bardo in theaters before it hit Netflix at a screening thing. And I was like, you know what? I see this as a theatrical film. Mm -hmm. I don't see this as a Netflix film. Whereas if I never saw it in that theater, my mind would have would have had some prejudice and immediately said, "Okay, streaming film. I, I I feel like I. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's kind of changing a little bit now because mm-hmm. at the same time, we have so many movies that are made to be like this big theatrical kind of movie or this indie theatrical experience that streaming services are just offering these, you know, movie studios and everything so much money to get exclusive mm-hmm. streaming rights that they're popping right onto streaming. You know, greatest beer run of all time. It easily could have been a huge theatrical release. Instead, it was mm-hmm. an Apple TV movie, I believe. Uh, you have yeah. plenty of series that just come to Amazon and Netflix, and you go, "Wow, I'm surprised that that was you know didn't get a theatrical release, or it ends up getting like a one to two week theatrical release." Like I don't look at mm. uh, Glass Onion and go, "Oh yeah, that was a lesser movie because it didn't come out in mm-hmm. theaters." It, it was made as a movie experience it's just happened to go onto a streaming service right right and i feel like that one was kind of a rarity where it amc gave it like a week in theaters it's like okay we'll we'll put this here for a week in theaters i've been seeing that Uh, a little bit more often with netflix lately at mm -hmm. least around here for like the indie theaters and stuff like that like we have you know the main arts is gone now out by here Mm -hmm. but we have a couple other like small town kind of theaters i'll see those pop up in there i just won't see it playing at like the amc okay yeah no i get that i totally get that um hey man what'd you feel about amc's biggest news where they're gonna uh start charging more (laughs) yeah i i don't think that's gonna go over well do you uh no it's not gonna go over well at all uh, but when they started showing that, my first thought was, oh, let me guess. It's going to be another tier on A-list. And they were like, A-list is going to be unaffected. I was like, oh, so this is just going to keep all those non-A-list people out of my good seats. I'm okay with this. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I, I kind of looked at it from like, yeah, we're not affected now, but give it some time. You know, uh, we know we said you won't be affected, but, uh, you know, we're going to try something out. Yeah. Next few weeks. We're just we're just doing a test just to see how it goes. <laughs> we're gonna try a pilot program. You know how they say pilot program. <laughs> um yeah, I just I, I didn't agree with that at all. I was with Elijah Wood. I said this is like another way of like trying to keep people um you know who who work for lower wages and of a lower class just out of the theater, which is supposed to be like a experience for all people. Right. Yeah, I just think that's stupid. Like the economy seats are the ones that's like up to the screen like this. Oh, I loved how you could see like the bubble where it was everything down the middle was the top tier. And then you had like the side mm-hmm. tier and then everything like the last three seats on each row kind of thing. And then the front like two rows were all the cheap seats or the normal priced seating. <laughs> mm hmm. Yeah. You know, and and looking at all of that, I got to say, sitting in the middle in a movie theater, it's a little overrated. I feel like my go to is sitting on the side. My wife prefers prefers to sit on the side, whether it be the far left or the far right. I don't know. Sitting in the middle, it, it feels a little overrated to me. It depends on the movie. And it also depends mm-hmm. on the screen type. If you're watching on a flat screen in like one of those old stadium kind of theaters, where it's that mm-hmm. huge screen, but it's like not bent at all. Sitting on the side feels awkward. It feels like you're looking at everything on an angle. Okay, I got you. When I, it comes to like that point. IMAX and like Dolby and stuff like that, it really doesn't matter. At that point, just choose where your eye level, you know, how much up do you want to look to watch the movie? Mm-hmm. I got you on that. Hey, uh, before we get out of here, uh, I know you saw it. I know he's your boy. I know that's your genre. How was Ant-Man? Uh, honestly, it was not what I was hoping it would be. It, it oh, has no. such a strong start on it, 
but it gets so wrapped up in trying to be like, hey, we're setting up new movies. Check check out all the stuff that, you know, is going to come out soon and that it forgets that it needs to be a movie. <laughs> so let me get this straight. This was another Captain Marvel transition film. Pretty much, except oh, with Ant-Man. No. It, it's kind of disappointing in that regard, because I love that the Ant-Man films were very like self-contained, where it's like, yeah, it's happening in the Marvel Universe, but it, mm-hmm. it's a heist movie and stuff. And this one still has, like, they try and pull, like, the, oh, yeah, it's still a heist movie, even though the heist is only, like, five minutes of the movie. And the rest of it is basically, you know, Scott going, you know, I I need my daughter. Don't hurt my daughter. My daughter. Blah. <laughs> it's like, okay, we get it. You you care about your daughter. Let's Did I mention I have a daughter? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I lost so much time with my daughter. I can't lose any more. Uh and also a lot of the film can be solved by the characters just talking to each other instead of trying to be like all secretive. Mm-hmm. Like, that's probably one of the biggest things where you can even see it in the trailer where they're going, well, why don't you tell us about, you know, your experience in the quantum realm? You know, I'll tell you when you need to know. I think now's now's the time that they need to know. (laughs) This is the time to know. Uh, Why are so many of these? Listen, I'm not joining the Marvel hate train. All right. They, they, They still make good movies from time to time. I like Eternals. I like Wakanda Forever. But why are so many of these movies, uh, why, the, the plot begins with a character making a stupid decision. Yeah, I don't get it because this one actually starts with uh, a very like good thing because it shows that okay. it starts off exactly how they show in the trailer with, you know, Cassie being like, I am so intrigued by science and everything. I want to explore science in a place that science hasn't been explored. And that's the quantum realm which just mm-hmm. ends up being a mistake to do because it gets them all sucked into the quantum realm. But then the stupid part comes when, you know, it, basically Michelle Pfeiffer's character is going, no, I won't tell you anything about what happened. I won't tell you how I know all these people down here. I won't tell you what's going on and why we should be afraid. Mm-hmm. You know, just follow me. You trust me, right? Yeah, we, we trust you, but can you, you know, give us something <laughs> to work off of here? Wow. You know, well, I, I've heard pretty much the consensus is uh pretty much what you're saying. And, you know, you know, hey, you know, Jonathan Majors is great, uh, but the movie is just OK. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is sad because I think Ant-Man is one of my favorite characters when it comes to the Marvel Cinematic Universe and his mm-hmm. movies. Because the first two, I know that they were, you know, critically question marked when it came to like people liking it and not liking it. But I enjoyed both of them. I thought they were fantastic movies and great adventures. This one, it's just got this whole block in the middle that nothing happens, it feels like. Okay, okay. I, I see what you're saying. Well, that's unfortunate. Uh, what would you give it out of five? Uh, this one's like a three out of five. Okay. Okay. It's fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Uh, all right. On that note, folks, uh, we'll see you on the next one. Uh, look out for Brad's review of Ant-Man. It'll be on 8bitwaffles.com. Uh, don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Don't forget to keep watching movies. You know, always love movies. And let us know who who you think won. If you thought Princess Bride won because it's a, it's a legendary film. If you thought Stardust won. Let us know. And uh, this has been DFV, and take care.